welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Bum, bum, bum. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? It is January 14th, 1995. And they say no news is good news, so it must be good news this week because I have no news. That or you're just falling down on the job, sir. Yeah, that's probably part of it. <laughs> I haven't been feeling super great this no. week, so. I know, poor baby. He's been sick again. We need to get you some vitamins or something. Yeah, something. I need to eat some more oranges. <laughs> going to get scurvy next. Right. Oh, but I guess we can uh, we can spin right in to the season we're in. I don't know. Uh, we can talk about... He's a poet and he didn't know it. We can talk about my so-called life. Yes. So this week, um, Angela's heart gets completely freaking bounded. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm trying to remember, like... I know things happened before the biggest event. Yeah, stuff but, happened. But it's like hard to remember because it was such a shocker. Well, so the they're working on the yearbook. Right. That's one of the first things. And Brian's the videographer. Yeah. And he is told to go to where people hang out. Right. To get some videos. And Rayanne is auditioning for Our Town. Yes. The role of Emily, the star of Our Town. And have you ever seen Our Town? I saw. I think it was. I think I only saw like the end of a rehearsal. Like my mom was in it, but oh. I don't think I got to see the whole play. Your mom was in it, but you didn't actually see the play. I don't think so. I I don't remember it. So that's 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 a little odd. I mean, I remember. Was she Emily? No, but I remember like people were on stage. And it was like pretty bare. There were just like some chairs, and yeah, it's 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 inten it intentionally looks like a set. And I cried. I remember crying because it was super sad. Like the ending. Yeah, the ending of the the ending of the play is really sad. A lot of it. A lot of the play is there's a lot of melancholy there. Yeah. But the en ending of the play is very sad. Are they all dead? No, so what happens is, it, the, so at the end of the play, there are several people that are dead. They're just kind of hanging out in the cemetery. And the main character, Emily, she has died in childbirth. And she, you know, comes back. She's in the cemetery. And I can't remember who it is. It's not like, it's not like death, like the angel of death, but it's, it's something like that. But they're like, you know, um... You can, uh, like, you know, look at at stuff if you want to. Okay. So she goes and she looks at all of her family and everything and, and stuff. And she ends up being, like, really sad. Like, it makes her really sad to see everybody living their life. And kind of like the end of the end of this episode is is basically the end of the play mm -hmm. where she's giving it a speech. And like the whole point of the play is like, you know, carpe diem, like live your life to the fullest kind of thing. The whole point of the play is like, she said, you know, do people ever really know how precious life is and, right. and everything? And you know, the other spirits are like, no, you know, pretty much no. But like when you're alive, you don't know how, right. how important it all is. And then She's like, okay, I want to go. And then she just kind of disappears into the mist to go wherever, whether it's heaven or, you know, with they like uh, Thornton Wilder, I think is the one who wrote the play, uh, doesn't specify right. where, where she's going. Okay. But so, she's leaving our realm and going to the next one. So Rayanne auditioned for the play and um, she's super nervous about whether or not she's going to get it. Mm -hmm. But she's very good. Mm hmm. I love her boots too. They're like, they're like fuzzy and big mm -hmm. and white, and I want them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Jordan and her both end up being at. It looks like a bar. Yeah. Like, why are there high school kids hanging out at a 
bar? Well, I think it's supposed to be like a pool hall. Okay. So, you know, like, and there, there are kids that, you know, there, there's a couple pool halls around that, that kids hang out at, you know, like in high school that, that we, you know, we've gone to and everything. Yeah. Okay. So they're there. And oh, I I know Rayanne is drinking. From a flask. Yeah. And Jordan, what does he have? Just a beer? I think he's got, maybe it's a beer, yeah. I, I thought it was a joint. It might first. have been a joint, yeah. That <clears throat> but, would make more sense. But later, because he's like, can I have some of that? And she was like, can I have some of that? And we can't really see what he's holding. And then later when they go outside, she's holding a bottle of beer and he's holding her flask. Yeah. So I'm guessing, yeah, it was just a beer. Yeah. It should have been a joint, but yeah. <laughs> so they go outside together and they start talking about Angela. Yeah. And, you know. Rayanne also said that she based her performance on Angela. Yes. Because she's so innocent. Mm-hmm. That she's so innocent and she doesn't even know that she's being innocent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's how she describes it to Jordan. Yes. And Jordan talks about, like, how, yeah, she is that way. And, like, they're both just kind of, like, sad about where they're at with Angela. Mm -hmm. And then they start kissing. Yeah. And they climb into the back of his car. Mm-hmm. And Brian Krakow is there. Getting the whole thing on video. Yeah, Crackhead is the Russ Meyer of uh, my so-called life now. <laughs> yeah, he's a little perv. It's a famous pornographer. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe I, I should have said Larry Flint, but Russ Meyer made movies, so. Okay. Um, And then, who is it who's on the, it's Sharon, is on the yearbook. Yeah, she's running the yearbook. Yeah, she's running yearbook, and she asks for his tape, and he won't give it to her. Right. So she wants to know why, and he tells her. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the first thing she does is run to tell Angela. No. No. No? No. No, she's talking to Rayanne, right? No. no? Who's she talking to? Wow. <laughs> we have a stroke? <laughs> she's talking to that girl that... Crackhead rejected oh, yeah. for the dance. She's talking to her in the bathroom, the ladies' bathroom, about what happened. And she's like, I don't know what to do. Should I tell her? Should I not tell her? Right. Wouldn't it be a friend to tell her? And then she goes to push open one of the stalls and Angela's there. Right. Okay. So Angela hears her lamenting about whether or not to tell her. So then she does tell her. Right. And Angela is at first like mad at Sharon and thinks that she made it up and she's like laughing like it's so ridiculous. Yeah. At the same time, Crackhead tells Ricky Mm -hmm. what happened. I feel bad for Ricky. Yeah. Because it's like his whole friend group is just imploding. Mm -hmm. It's a real low energy episode. Do you think that's okay? It's okay to have a low energy episode. Yeah. Hey everybody, we're, we're, we're just going to have a low energy episode today. <laughs> Mark is very sick. We just, we don't want to disappoint you guys. So we're powering through. Um, Yeah. She starts flirting with this one dude to make Jordan jealous. That actually happens. Oh yeah. That happens in the very beginning. That actually happens before he has sex with Rayanne. And then when she finds it out, she's like, well, I'm going to come on to this, this guy even harder. And Ricky likes him. Like, Ricky's got a big crush on him. Right. <clears throat> so, she goes to the... <laughs> I guess I'll take over. No, okay. She so. goes to the, the thing, because she's painting the set of our town with this dude, this artist guy, that she's using to try to make Jordan jealous. And Ricky's there as well, because Ricky wants to be near this dude, even though he's not gay, but he still has a crush on him. And he says... She says, oh, you know, you're, you're never, never going to believe what I just heard from Sharon. And, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, you know, Sharon's just saying that because she's so jealous of Rayanne and she wants to break us up and everything. And she's like, she looks at Ricky because Ricky's just like, uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. Ricky knows it's true. Right. And Ricky's like, well, why else would she say it? And he's like, because maybe it's true, you know, and then like 
it's clear that he knows what happened. Right. And then once she realizes, then she is a complete mess. Oh, yeah. And she's just like, I mean, she's sobbing. She's avoiding everybody. And then when she finally decides to come back out into the world, she's dressed like Rayanne. Yeah. And she's, she's got, got some, the braids in her hair right. and like the heavy makeup. Like she looks like Rayanne, mm-hmm. which is just messed up. And, you know, like I like I said to you, um, to you when we were watching the show, Mark, um, I really think that when they were sleeping with each other, that he was like you said, he was pretending that Rayanne was Angela. And I think that Rayanne was pretending that Rayanne was Angela because she's so jealous of Angela and wants well, to know what it's like to be her. You said she was pretending like Jordan was Angela. No, that's not what I said. Oh, that's not what you meant? That's not what I meant. That's okay. what you thought I was saying? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. He was pretending that he's having sex with Angela, and Rayanne was pretending that she was Angela. Interesting. And okay. so then it's just kind of funny that um, <laughs> Rayanne then is like, or Angela is then like looking like Rayanne, yeah, and like trying to be her, right, as a reaction, <clears throat> yeah. And she comes on to the guy, Corey. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, whatever the 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 art design generic guy. jockey looking <laughs> dude that's he's never going to be on the show again. He's muscular, but he's he's not a jock though. I didn't say he was a jock. I said he was a jockey looking dude. Okay, fine. And he kind of rejects her. Well, he's like, whoa. Like, I mean, she does kind of just, like, attack him. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he wants to uh, put the kibosh on that and figure out what the heck's going on with her. I think he does like her, though. Yeah. He acted like he did anyway. And maybe he is gay. Maybe. And then Ricky um, is upset with Angela because he likes this guy. Right. And, you know, she's basically doing not the same, but similarly to him as to what was done to her. Right. So, um, and then at the end of the play, they're... Well, they're, it's the rehearsal. Yeah, they're, they're at rehearsal. Rehearsing. And the girl that's supposed to be reading lines with Rayanne isn't there, so the director asks Angela to stand in because she's there working on the set. Mm-hmm. And they both end up like in tears going through the end of the play. I'm assuming that was the end of the play. Yeah. And... um. You know, that's, that's really sad, and that's how the episode ends. But, um, I don't know, having seen Our Town, Mark, do you think there was, like, a parallel between the episode and the play? Not really. I mean, there's... So, like, regret is a big part of Our Town. Mm-hmm. Like, regret of things that you did, regret of things you didn't do, and, and things like that. And I mean, I guess that's like the the drama teacher says to her, you know, stop acting. Right. Basically, like, you know, she's been shown that she's lost everything that she can't. She can look at these people, but she can't go back to her life ever. It's over. So her front, like all the front that all of us put up as people, it's gone. It's just raw her. Right. So she starts to talk about, you know, all these regrets that she had as part of this speech. And she's obviously relating it to what happened between her and Angela. Right. And that's, uh, you know, that's a big thing. And she has, she has a big kind of like breakdown with Angela before she goes on and does this rehearsal thing where she says, you know, hey, you, you know, you didn't lose much in this. Like. You lost a guy that you, you know, never, never really had and never really had. And, you know, some crappy friend. And I lost, you know, everything. I lost a great friend. Yeah. Yeah. So very sad. Um, With the parents, there was a thing going on, too, that we just totally skipped over. But um, well, we skipped over a lot of stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Um. Rayanne actually shows up at Angela's house when she's not there and her mom lets her in Mm. and Rayanne tells her what she did. Yeah. And she's pretty understanding and nice about it. And then we find out that the reason when she, she expresses this, when she's talking to her friend, the reason is because she did the same thing to a friend of hers when she was young. 
and that her friend, you know, forgave her. And that was actually her best friend now that she did that to. Camille. They're still friends. Camille, yeah. So it was her husband she was talking to, yeah. Um, in the beginning of the episode, her and Camille are hanging out when um, the restaurant lady, what is her name? Heidi. Oh, we do this all the time. Hallie. Hallie shows up Hallie's looking for coming. grants. Yeah. <laughs> and he has gone to the restaurant to meet her, and she showed up at the house to meet him. Hildy? <laughs> Helga? No, it's Haley. Haley. It's Haley. Yeah, it's Haley. Um, <coughs> he just keeps coughing, poor guy. Um, so, yeah, she shows up, and Camille immediately, like, you can tell her antenna is up, like, something is not right. She's mm-hmm. getting a bad vibe from this chick. Mm-hmm. And she kind of lets Patty know, but very subtly, like not even at first, but throughout the episode. And she warns her that, you know, a friend of hers, husband was uh, cheating with the secretary and the friend figured this out when he was fighting with the secretary because there was no reason for them to have that kind of passion between them. Right. And she's like, okay, well, everything's fine because they're not fighting. But at the end of the episode, they get in a fight. Well, at the end of the episode, he's expressing frustration yeah. with uh, with Hallie. They both express it to each other, too. Like, yeah, you know, she's she says, like, how he's, like, driving her crazy because it's, like, starting over every time they talk. And he says that she's driving him crazy because, um, I don't know, because she walks around with freaking Chinese food. <laughs> Because she can't legally park a car because she's always late, that kind of stuff. That's what he tells his wife. Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's going to cheat? No. I hope not. I think it's going to get close, but I don't think he's going to do it. Like, I think it's going to get close again, but I don't think he's going to do it. I think they have a lot of problems, though, that they yeah. need to work on. Yeah, they definitely need need some help <laughs> what is he not getting that's what i want to know what is he not getting that he needs in hmm. that in their relationship it's a good question why does he seek this stuff out hmm well maybe she's not making him feel needed or wanted maybe yeah could be hmm. so even though mark is sick yeah. I, I did drag him out to the theater this weekend right to see the best movie ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Little Women. Uh-huh. So we got Very to... Very ab- tiny, tiny women. <laughs> we got a big dose of Claire Danes this weekend. <laughs> yes, we did. She she plays Beth. So, I mean, I read this book with my mom when I was a little girl, and I think a lot of us out there have read this book um, as kids. And, you know, I know there's an older version, whatever. I never saw the older version of the movie. So seeing it, you know, on the screen come to life was pretty amazing for me. Um, What did you think about the movie? I liked the first half. The second half is boring. Okay. That's how I feel about it. When all the, when all the, the women, when all the little women are are huddling together in their little, their little huddle. (laughs) No, when all the sisters are together, mm-hmm. it's an interesting, it's an interesting movie that I like. And then when they separate, I get bored real quick. Okay, like real fast. Like I don't care about not Kirsten Dunst. Uh, you know, like out, Amy. out in Paris. I don't care that Meg is doing nothing with her life. Apparently. What are you talking about? She's having twin babies. Yeah. Okay. That's something big. You know, I don't really even care that much about Joe and her writing in New York, honestly, like, or her relationship with this dude. It's not, to me, the heart of the movie and the heart of the relationships is the relationship between these sisters. And when they're torn apart, there's not enough connection there. There's not enough keeping them together until the one thing that does bring them back together but it's the first part is much stronger than the second half that's that's how i feel about it i think the first half is a much stronger movie than the second half it's better acted it's better paced it's 
it's more dramatic. It has more emotional weight to it. The there is more drama. I more think. emotional weight. Yes, I yes, absolutely. Seriously, yes. I so disagree. I'm sure you do, but I, we'll get into it. Okay. So, uh, I guess I don't know. I guess I'll start, and then you can pick up. Okay. As we go through the uh, the plot, but we start. It's winter. It's uh, Christmas time mm-hmm. in the March home. Now, at one point, I thought they said Connecticut, but maybe they said Concord. Like, because I thought they said something like in all of Connecticut. But I guess they said in all of Concord. Concord, Massachusetts is where they live. Yeah, that makes more sense. So they live outside of Boston uh, in Massachusetts. And. They used to be a a high society kind of family, and they've fallen on hard times. <clears throat> In real life, uh, Louisa May Alcott's father and mother were part of the transcendental movement mm-hmm. in Massachusetts and were good friends with Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. Wow, that's so cool. Uh, and they were part of a, a social club with Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson. In fact, uh, I guess spoiling a bit of the movie, when Amy, well, actually, this doesn't happen in the movie. Amy, the youngest, when mm-hmm. Amy dies, she dies in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, the one ba- the one Amy's based on. Uh, when she died in childbirth, Ralph Waldo Emerson and Thoreau were uh, two of the pallbearers. Aww. That's how close their family was okay. to to them. I thought you were going to say one of them was the father. No, no, <laughs> no, no. No, their father's name was, I can't remember their father's name off the top of my head, uh, Byron Alcott or something like that. Um, but he was what? No, I meant the father of the baby. Oh, no, no. She actually literally married somebody named... Uh, uh, Lori? It's not Lori, but yeah. Uh, Theodore. Theodore. Lauren. Yeah, she married someone Lawrence. named Theodore. Yeah. So she really did marry the neighbor boy. I believe, I don't know if he was, I don't know if it's exactly like the book where, or the movie where he lived directly next door, but in the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I believe anyway. So she, uh, and um, Meg married some, a guy named John who was a, you know, like a teacher or something like that. Okay. But anyway, so the, the book opens there, there, you know, they're down and out a little bit uh, in society, and they um, there's a new German family in town or, or something who's because isn't that right? They I'm trying to remember exactly yeah. how the, it begins. So they've got for for their Christmas breakfast they have bread, which is a luxury, and butter, and butter, and fruits, and all kinds of good things. Right. So the they're 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 made who they somehow are still able to afford. I don't I don't know exactly how that works. Hmm. But she says, uh, "Oh, there's you know, this new German family. The uh, the father's gone, like dead or whatever. She's got four kids with a you know and about to issue another as uh, as the the parlance was back then. And she says, uh, you know, oh, they're probably you know." They're probably starving right now or whatever is basically right. what she says. It's like, yeah, they don't have any, I'm sure they don't have any breakfast. They don't have anything to rub together. So Claire Danes, Beth says, well, you know, I guess we might as well give them our bread. And then uh, I think it's it's either Meg or Joe says, you know, and the uh, the butter's no good without bread to right. put it on. So, you know, so they end up taking their entire breakfast over to the German family. So the German family has something to eat. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. They're good girls. And like I said, that could be uh, that that could have been my family, be- right? Because my family missed all the interesting, like the interesting things that happened in in and around uh, this country and the country that they came from. Because most of my family is German, but we, my family, immigrated to this country after the Civil War. Uh, but before World War One and World War Two, okay. So my family left Germany, uh, I in you know the the late eighteen sixties, early eighteen seventies, and I guess there was a lot of immigration to the United States going on at that time from Germany. I don't know exactly why, 
but uh, you know, I don't know exactly where uh, they might have come directly to Michigan, though. I don't think they ever. I don't think my family ever. Although I have, I have heard rumors of uh, family members that started out in New York. So, oh, maybe know. then we'll see. But uh, anyway, if there was ever, you know, like my my aunt does genealogy, uh-huh. where she goes through the family history and everything. They should, you know how the, uh, you know, we get the AOL uh, discs yeah. and everything, and there are different places that you can go on the internet uh-huh. uh, to the World Wide Web to do that stuff. So they should have a place where you could put your family information in there. Yeah, that would and be then, cool. Like, compi- compile, and then other people could come on there and be like, oh, let's let me link that up with uh, we share uh, this or whatever, and like. You know, it could be a whole world family tree or something. Wow, that's such a good idea. You should you should start that. You should like learn how to do that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, so they take the you know, so it, this establishes that they're altruistic and nice people, mm-hmm. and they do have a new neighbor. It's uh, 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 as we said, Lori Theodore yeah. Lawrence. Who they call Laurie or Teddy. He moves in with his grandfather. Mm-hmm. Played I, by a new actor named uh, uh, Christian Bale. Do they ever say why? Like something happened with his parents. It must have. I don't know. I don't know. I think his parents uh, died in a carriage accident. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. But yeah, he comes to live with his grandfather there and his grandfather's got money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's the thing is they still have a fine house. Yeah. Because they're still like, especially back in those days, you didn't, you know, you didn't mortgage a house. You just bought a house. Right. So when, when they were high society, they were able to, they were able to keep their house. So they live, they live in a good neighborhood and next to, you know, other people that had means. Right. And they get invited to fancy parties and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're still kind they're still like part of society, but. They just don't have the money they used to have. Mm-hmm. Which is an awkward situation to be in. Yeah, it's got to be. And their dad, it's, a sta- it's established early on, their dad is fighting the Civil War. Yeah. So this happens by himself. Uh-huh. He is he, he is the entire <laughs> Northern Army. No, um, but he's he's off fighting in the Civil War. And so this, this starts, I believe it's like 1863, 1864, some, somewhere in that neighborhood when we finally see him he looks very old well they took him at all ages back then yeah okay yeah there was i think uh there were soldiers as young as like 14 and as old as like 70 wow yeah there were um and he was a cap or colonel he was a colonel too They, they mentioned later that uh that he was a colonel colonel march so he was uh, you know, obviously a higher rank and he probably, you know, he either had a lot of military training or background or something like that to, to raise in the ranks that right. far. So, I mean, that's, you know, but yeah, so he was a colonel, meaning he, he probably wasn't, you know, he was definitely on the battlefield, but he wasn't front lines. You know, he was doing a lot of commanding. So, yeah, that that's like how the movie kind of starts out that, you know, dad's gone and um, their first Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're not getting any presents this year. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, they're all kind of down about, you know, dad not being there and everything. I want to point out, I, this is probably the best time to point out that the cast is really good. Yes. Really strong. So we have Winona Ryder that we saw in Reality Bites earlier. And obviously she's been, in, you know, a ton of other stuff. Uh, she was in Beetlejuice and, mm-hmm. and you know other things, but anyway. So uh, we've got we've got Winona Ryder as Joe, uh, Claire Danes as you pointed out, and she's she's excellent in this. Kirsten Dunst, who we saw in Interview, Interview with, with the, the Vampire. Vampire, I think she's I think she's another young actress that's got a real bright career yes. ahead of her. Uh, and then I don't know who plays Meg. Oh, I can't remember her name either. The oldest one. I'm not sure what actress that is. But like I, I pointed out, the 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 Christian Bale kid, mm-hmm. he's really good too. Yep. He's from, uh, I think he's from Wales. 
Okay. I heard. So he's, you know, he's obviously doing an accent, an American accent. Um, none of them are really like Boston area accents. <laughs> and then, of course, Susan Sarandon, who who's the, the mother, Marmy, as they call yeah. her. And, and she's obviously a veteran of, of you know, many films and, and a fantastic actress. Yeah. And then there's... um. The guy who plays Friedrich, I think he's been in some stuff. What what's his name? Gabriel oh, Burns. Oh, um, well, yeah, Gabriel Byrne is. Yeah, he's been in some. He's been in some stuff. He he plays the. You know, he's he's very good. He plays the Joe's love interest, and then there's Eric Stoltz who plays the one that marries Meg. Yeah, I don't like him that much, Eric Stoltz, but he's you know he's also been around. He was in Pulp Fiction yep. that, we, that we saw, uh, you know, last year. All very, very talented actors and actresses. Yeah, it's a, a very, very good ensemble cast. So what's your favorite? I mean, I, know, I mean, we could just go through the whole plot of the movie if you want, but yeah. which I think most people are familiar with the story. And not a ton happens, <clears throat> to be honest. Well, I mean, they make friends with, with Lori, <laughs> right. and then he goes off to college, and Joe's mm-hmm. jealous. Yeah. And then, I mean... The dad ends up getting hurt. Yeah, the dad ends up getting hurt. So I, here's the thing. What were you going to ask me? What was your favorite scene? My favorite scene? Yeah. Like single scene? Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, ooh. My favorite single scene. Man, that's tough. <laughs> Maybe... After she saves Amy from drowning in the ice, uh-huh. and there she's laying in bed, and they're all kind of around each other. Okay, that's my favorite scene. Aw, that's so sweet. That is a that is a good you know moment that captures their family. But I think that's like I said, I, that's why the first part works for me. I think that's the, I think that's the essence of this movie. So. What I meant about, like, you know, there's more emotion, emotional weight, there's more tension in the beginning of the movie. You have the dad, and that's a that's an undercurrent throughout the entire movie. Well, not the entire movie, but that's an undercurrent throughout, you know, the first half of the movie. Right. He's away at war. Is he going to come back? We know that many, many, many people died. Right. You know, four million Americans died in in the Civil War. And... We know it's it, you know could very e- he could very easily die, and then um, Beth gets scarlet fever. She goes and takes. She's going to help the German family. The German mom is freaking out, and she can't. She only speaks German. She can't speak English. Her child, very young baby, sick, and she doesn't know why. She hands the baby to. To Beth, you know, she's basically saying, like, help me, what's going on? And and, and she just starts, Beth, I think this is really good acting from Claire Danes. Because mm-hmm. she just looks so, like, helpless and yeah. starts to cry. Cause, and I think anyone would in that situation, because what, what do you want to do? I mm-hmm. mean, you, you want to help, don't know what to do, she's just a kid. Yeah. So she gets scarlet fever, and she becomes ill, which, you know, during that time was, uh, you know, a tantamount to a death sentence, yeah. almost. Uh, the The... They didn't have antibiotics back then, so if you got scarlet fever, one of two things were going to happen: you were you were either going to fight through it and get better, or you would die. That, that's that's it, and it was all up to your body and chance, or you know whatever. And they mentioned that two of the German uh, the German uh, woman's babies are dead, and mm-hmm. two more are sick. So you yeah, know, she had four. It's decimating. So they were all. It's decimating her family. Yeah. Oh. And poor woman. Joe and it wasn't Amy. Joe and Meg had scarlet fever apparently when they were children, and they survived it. That's what they mentioned. Yeah. So, so they're okay to be there because they're not going to get it again. But they have to send Amy away because Amy's never had it. And this is this is one of my favorite scenes actually yeah. is her her and Lori mm-hmm. in the carriage when when she's going away and. She's talking about how she's afraid that she's going to die. Yeah. And that she doesn't want to die without having ever been kissed. Mm-hmm. And she's all like snuggled up to him and he says that he promises that he will kiss her before she dies. Right. 
Which you think is just him being sweet, but it's foreshadowing for sure. <laughs> yeah. So she, you know, she, uh, she's being taken care of the rich guy from next door. This is another thing that I like a lot too, is the rich dude that's next door clearly cares about them. Yes. You know, and is a nice person. Mm-hmm. Like he helps them out whenever he can. So he says, you know, hey, I want my personal physician to look at her if that's okay with you. So he looks, you know, and everything, and he's basically like, hey, there's nothing I can do. He says if he bleeds her, it'll finish her, which that's just such a crazy thing. Why did we ever think that that would help? I don't know. A book I'm reading right now, they're, they're, um, they're, it takes place in that same kind of time period. Uh-huh. And they're talking about giving this little girl something to make her throw up mm-hmm. over and over and over. And then they bleed her out into a bucket. Yeah. Like, how th- this stuff just makes you weaker. Yeah, they didn't know. They thought that there was, like, there were demons that, li- not, not even necessarily demons, but just, like, bugs, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, that live disease, lived in your blood. And if you got enough of it out, then there'd be less there, and your body would make <sighs> more blood, and it would replace it with... With, you know, fresh blood that didn't have this disease in it and you'd be okay. I mean, there's a certain logic to it if you don't know anything about the human body. I mean, obviously, we know a ton more now than they do. At least um, he was smart enough to recognize that he couldn't do that to her. Right. So, uh, Marmy comes home. She had been visiting the dad who's in the hospital uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, being treated for his injuries. And... You know, she comes home and basically says, hey, you know, get some vinegar and like we got to draw the fever down from the head, all this stuff. And she recovers. You know, she she does finally recover and she's she's okay. But they say her heart was weakened. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. In real life, with uh, Louisa May Alcott's sister, Beth, um, got scarlet fever when Mm -hmm. she was young. Uh, you know, she was weakened. She died at 22 mm-hmm. uh, from heart failure, basically. And and that, you know, that was common with scarlet fever back then, is even if you survived it, you know, weaken your heart. Um, she said that she was, I'm trying to remember exactly how she wrote this, but uh, she said to her dad, like her dad came to, her dad was traveling at the time, actually, uh, with the transcendental movement and stuff. And uh, she had taken a turn for the worse, so he came home, and she said that she was okay, you know, dying and everything. She she said something like, "I'm the 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 uh, most uh, disposable of the four, or oh, something like that. Like no. like I'm the one that could the, you know that can most easily go kind That's of thing. awful. Which is similar to something that she says in the movie, where yeah. she says, you know, I'm not I'm not a great writer like you. I'm not." You know, whatever, like Amy, I'm not like whatever, like Meg. And she really does feel like she's just kind of there. Not yeah. in a mean way, but just like that. And then... um but She doesn't have a drive to do anything else. Right. She just wants to be home. But she doesn't want to be left behind. Mm-hmm. Louisa May Alcott wrote that, uh, you know, she, her sister, you know, finally put down her sewing, uh, you know, because it was too heavy, too hard for her. Um, you know, they talked for a while, hugged, uh, about three in the morning. She said she, uh, gave one last look with her beautiful eyes and then, uh, you know, faded from this world. And that's, uh, that's, you know, cause she was there when, when she died. So, you know, it's like that, that's the second half of the, the movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's probably the centerpiece of the second half of the movie as far as the emotional centerpiece of that yeah that uh that section but when she's sick and she recovers the first time i felt more then than i did the second time really yeah oh i didn't but that's because you've read the book and you know what happens but i mean when she's when she's sick the first time and the whole family's there and it's you know, it's a crisis. Yeah. It's, it's sadder to me than the, you know, and, and but ultimately more satisfying because she does get better than it is the second time when she gets sick and dies. 
Well, I don't think she was sick. Like you said, it was just she, she was failing. Her heart was failing. She was yeah. just weak. Yeah. Well, you her know, valves have been damaged, you know, irreparably. You know, that's what happened to my, my grandmother got Scarlet's fever when she was really little. Mm-hmm. And they just assumed then that she was going to die young. Mm-hmm. So they took her out of school and made her work. Oh, wow. And she didn't get her GED till she was a grown up. And she ended up living to be 90. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing is like, that's what happened to the lead singer of the Kinks. I can't remember his name, but his sister got uh, scarlet fever when she was a kid. And, you know, like, like we said, that can lead to, you know, uh, uh, you know, heart problems later in life. And he wrote this song uh, for her called Come Dancing after she died. This was a while after she died. But uh, she she was living in Canada with an abusive husband, apparently. And she flew to England for his 13th birthday. And she gave him a guitar because I guess she always supported his, his music and stuff. And she went to one of the old dance halls that she used to go to when she was a teenager. And she... She died of a cardiac arrest on the the dance floor. Aww. But then he wrote the song Come Dancing, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's for her. Um, it's a really very good song. Even John Lennon said that, I can't, I wish I could remember the name of the lead singer of the Kinks. But, uh, you know, it, even John Lennon, uh, John Lennon said that um, he was the best songwriter that he'd ever you know, and it's a, it's a real powerful song, but yeah, it, it happened a lot. You know, your grandmother obviously was was real lucky. Yeah, that, the exception to the rule, right? But yeah, a lot of times people would die young if they got scarlet fever because it does weaken your heart pretty badly. So another you know thing that's going on in this movie is the you know multiple love stories, but mm-hmm. you know Lori has fallen in love with Joe, right? And when he comes home from college, he proposes to her. Yeah, who's Meg's Meg's had so Meg has one love interest the entire movie. Yeah, John uh, Brooks. Yeah, Eric Stoltz. Mr. Brooks. Who she, you know, he kind of courts her. Uh he ends up marrying her. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Beth doesn't really ever court anybody. She dies young. Yeah. Um Joe, like you said, uh Lori proposes to her and she's basically like kind of laughs and she's like you know no you know kind of thing well she doesn't laugh i mean maybe like a a little defensive laugh yeah but yeah she definitely turns him down she's but i mean it hurts her heart you can tell she doesn't want to hurt him she clearly looks at him as a brother yes she loves him very much but she loves him like a brother she does not look at him romantically at all and he's been in love with her since the first moment he saw her, as he says. Mm-hmm. And he says to her that one day she will meet somebody that mm-hmm. she falls. Because she's like, I don't want to be. Basically, she says, I don't want to be with any man. I want to write my books and, 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 you know, not not be, you know, weighed down by this or whatever. And he says, no, no, you're going to find somebody that, you know, basically saying you're going to find somebody that you feel about the way I feel about you. And, you know, it's going to change you or whatever. You will live and die for him. That's and, what he says. And she's he's right. You know, that is that is what ends up happening. Cause yeah, she, she finds does. Gabriel Byrne. Mm-hmm. But so and that's the thing. That's another thing about the second part of this this movie that I didn't like that much. Huh. So he goes to England, you know, and he's like basically whoring it up yeah. or, or whatever. And the ants. Because the, the, Joe is reading and like kind of caretaking the ants until Joe gets a little older, goes to New York and everything. and Or no, no, wait, until Joe gets a little older. Uh, basically, <coughs> ever since the Scarlet Fever incident. Yeah, Amy when Amy came, got sent away, then she became the companion for yeah, the ant. Yeah, exactly. So um, the ant's going to Paris. Uh, and she asked Amy to go with her to accompany her. And, and Joe's, you know, a little upset because... More than a little. She, she wants to go to Paris. She had always wanted to go. That was something that motivated her to be a companion to the aunt. Was This was a plan that they were going to... I don't think they expressed that in the movie. Mm-hmm. This was a plan. that like, She was supposed to go with her. Oh, okay. And instead of getting to go with her, 
Amy goes. Well, in real life, uh, Louisa May Alcott did go to Paris. So. Yeah. When she was an adult. So <laughs> I guess that's, uh, you know, comfort. But anyway, so she goes to Paris and Louisa May Alcott, like, goes to New York to start trying to write. That was where she meets Gabriel Byrne and her life goes down that path. Uh, but anyway, so Lori meets up with, with Amy, a, a, a now adult Amy, in you know, in Europe, I think they're in Paris. Yeah, she's there studying art. And he basically starts courting her. Well, she's already dating yeah. one of his friends that he yeah. had introduced them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so cute. Like, I, I love the whole interaction with him and Amy. And, um, you know, when the, her and her aunt are leaving and he says, is she engaged to him? He asks the aunt and she's like, not yet. You know, like, you better hurry kind of thing. And mm-hmm. he does, you know, he, like, when he, he tries to court her and she rejects him because she thinks that, you know, he's not serious about her, that he just wants her for her family, like, yeah. that kind of thing. And that's the thing, is that's one of the reasons I don't like this, is because it rings false to me. It rings false that he's actually in love with her. I think she's right, and he just wants to be part of their family. He lost his family when he was young, and he had to go live with his grandpa. And when he found these girls, it was like having sisters. It was like being a part of something. It was like being a part of a family. And it was a feeling that he hated not having. And I feel like it didn't matter. He knew Meg. It wasn't going to be Meg. He tried Joe. Beth's dead. He basically just went down to Amy. Like that that's she's the last hope of him to be part of the family. And yeah, he might think she's cute or, or whatever, but I it doesn't feel like a real romance. And I don't know I, I think a big part of that is there's nothing there's that little piece of foreshadowing, like you said earlier in the movie, but there's no other development of their romance together mm-hmm. and that's it feels false to me whether it was in real life whether it's supposed to be whether it's more fleshed out in the book i don't know those things but it feels false to me in this instance i can see that if you you know going just based on what they give us in the movie i can see that so you know that's another reason why the, the second half doesn't work for me is but if, if that love story was was more fleshed out and more you know, blossomed more, it w- I think it would go a long way. Speaking of how, you know, he knew it wasn't going to be Meg, mm-hmm. I want to go back real quick, if you don't mind, to something that happened earlier in the movie. Sure. Th- when she goes to that coming out party, mm-hmm. and they dress her up. Yeah. And he sees her with her, like, cleavage and the makeup and everything. What was going on there from a male perspective? Like, was he genuinely, like, checking her out? Or was he just trying to shame her or what? Like when he came up to her and he's all like, oh, you know, don't hide, don't cover up on my account, you know, and all that stuff. Like, I think he was just, I think he was checking her out, but I think he was trying to be like, he was trying to be like funny, but in like a flirty kind of way. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my perspective on it. Okay. And then he realized that he was being a jackass. Yeah. Okay. I just wasn't sure, like, how to take that, because it was so weird. It's like there'd never been anything there, then it's like he's coming on to her, and I don't know. It was weird. That's what I'm saying. Like, he tried every one of them. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. If Beth had lived, he might have married Claire Danes. Right? Weird. Weird thought. Um, I don't know. I I like him and Amy together, though. I think it's fine. I think the, the two actors have good chemistry together. But I just don't think, I don't think the story gave us enough. I think that's what I like so much about the second part of the movie, though, is because there is, you know, there are so many different, like, romantic stories going on. Like, because then you get Joe mm-hmm. and Friedrich. But they're very disparate stories. The The first half of the movie is a very cohesive story. Well, yeah, because they're all one together. family all together. And then the second half of the movie is like four different things the four different things happening completely unrelated to each other. And I and I know that that's how life works, mm-hmm. but it's not as satisfying in a narrative. Right. If if they could have 
if they could have connected, and like I said, maybe they do in the book a lot more. Although, you know, who knows? Because the, Louisa May Alcott might not have known what Amy was doing when she was in Paris or whatever. Right. But if they could have, if they could have in this movie connected them a little bit more, it, it would have been more satisfying. Although I, I understand that it's difficult because of the time period you're dealing with. It's not like they could pick up a phone, you know, or, right. or, or anything like that. It's, it's a lot harder. But even, maybe even some letters sent back and forth to, you know, kind of keep that connection might have might have helped. I'm sure there there were letters. Yeah, and, and hearing some of those might have helped. And actually, we see that when Beth dies. Like, she has a trunk full of, you know, first of all, the stuff they made when they were kids, but yeah. also letters from Joe. And, and it was the correspondence that they had that was part of what she used to write the book. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and to I would have liked to have heard some of those. Well, maybe you should read the book. Okay. <laughs> So. I'm saying like the second half of the book is pro- would probably be more satisfying to me than the, than the second half of this movie. Yeah. I know they're dealing with time constraints and I know that there's there's things that you know that make it difficult to make it fully satisfying. But it's just like I said, to me the first half is a very cohesive unit, very satisfying. We have clear stakes, we have clear emotional connection, and then the second half gets a little muddled. And you know, you pointed out something to me that while I knew it didn't really occur to me that, you know, Louisa May Alcott never got married. Yeah, that's true. So it makes it kind of sad to me that she ends up with Friedrich because it's like she ended her own story in this happy, put a bow on it way that it didn't really ever end for her that way but maybe you know it's it's it is loosely but i mean there, there's a lot of parallels to her real life right but it is loosely based still i mean maybe maybe she really didn't want to get married maybe the reason that she put this in there maybe what she says to Lori is actually how she really felt right like i don't want to you know but but maybe she put this romantic subplot and and end in there because that's what she felt like the audience was going to want to feel satisfied with the the direction of the book or, or maybe even her editors were like, hey, you know, you got to give her a, a guy to get in the end or you know what I mean? Like it could have been something like that. She might not, she might not necessarily have felt like that. She might have been like, well, this is a good arc for this character, Joe, that's largely based on me. But it's not entirely me. Right. But it's not exactly how I'd want to do life. You that know? makes sense. Because if she wanted to have a husband, I'm sure she could have. She was a fairly well-known writer uh, during her lifetime. You know, she Little Women was published, I believe, in 1868. She died in 1888. Okay. And it was a pretty celebrated book when it came out. So for 20 years, you know, she was a, a fairly celebrated author. So I think, I think if she really wanted to, she could have gotten married probably. Probably. <laughs> I do like the the story with her and Friedrich as well. Like mm-hmm. it's it's very like sweet and and perfect for her because he's you know, she's so independent. Yeah. And he's so supportive and doting, you know, like bringing her coffee while she's writing mm-hmm. and you know, that's the kind of guy that she needs. She's not one that's going to dote on the guy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because Lori says to her you won't have to write. Then there's a beat because he's going to be a big lawyer or whatever. You won't have to write beat unless you want to. Mm-hmm. And Friedrich's response is write better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's like, he, he, he realizes that writing is a part of who she is, that there is no, you don't have to write unless you want to. Like he knows She's a writer. She has to write. And he's like, you know, she's she says, like, you know, I want your, you know, honest opinion too. And he's like, basically says, Yeah, you know, I mean, you're a good writer, but what you're writing is dumb. Like, you know, like these fairy stories and stuff, like, no one cares. You put you into this book. You know, there's no you in it. And that's true. If you're if you're a writer, you have to put some of who you are into everything that you write or it's it's worthless yeah you can you could use all the right words and everything but there's no it's cold there's no emotion to it 
if you do it like that. And in reality, it was her father mm-hmm. who suggested to her that she write this book, that yeah. she write about her life. Yeah. So. And her father was, and maybe that's the thing, maybe Friedrich, because the, the father's not in this much, honestly. Yeah. Maybe Friedrich is a father stand-in. Maybe. You know, maybe Friedrich's more like. Ooh, that's some Freudian stuff right there. Well, because he talks about how he's a transcendentalist too, right? Yeah. And her dad was a very, and and he goes away for a while, like her dad was away for a while. And then comes back, you know, at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it could it could be that Friedrich, I bet you she got a lot of of Friedrich from her dad. That makes sense. You know, and I know she loved him. She, well, I, I, I don't know because I didn't know her, but, you know, by all accounts from all her writing and everything, she loved her dad quite a, quite a bit. And her dad was very supportive of her writing career. And in a, in a time when when women weren't supported nearly as much as they should be in 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 those kind of endeavors, but both her mother and her father were very like enlightened type people. They were, you know, they were suffragettes. They were, um, they were, uh, anti-slavery and, and things like that. So I'm so grateful to live now. Like much better than then. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like when she was at like, I don't know, tea party or whatever mm-hmm. like, with uh Friedrich and a bunch of guys, it's like she had to be given permission almost to speak. Yeah. You know, he 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 had to come stand by her and be like, yes, Miss March, you know, to get, mm-hmm. let her speak. I can't imagine. Like, I would just implode if I wasn't able to speak. <laughs> and that's the thing is that she she does speak her mind mm-hmm. in that in that thing. And unfortunately, she needed Friedrich to to be able to do that. Not she didn't need him. But because of the way society was, right. it would have been, you know, very looked down on if if she hadn't acknowledged her and everything first. Um, but yeah, she does. She definitely speaks her mind. She se- it seems like she wins over at least some of them where they're like, oh, very interesting. You know? Yeah. But that um, that that storyline, Joe's storyline of being in New York and being with Friedrich. That's the strength of the second half of the story. And I think maybe they should have just, I think the solution would be to focus almost entirely on that for the second half. Well, the only time that they're not with Joe Mm. is when they're with Amy and Lori. Yeah. And maybe, maybe make that a surprise instead of showing us them getting together yeah eh. maybe make that a surprise and then it'd be more like oh wow you know kind of thing like hey we got together and they could you know whatever yeah um and add some more stuff with the letters between her and beth and and, and things like that to kind of flesh out the rest of the the second half and th- th- that might have that might have been a better way to build it i don't know i think her and beth were like the closest to like yeah Another, you know, instance of just fantastic acting from Claire Danes when Amy comes in to tell them the news that she's going mm-hmm. and Joe has just rejected Lori and she in like Beth is comforting her when Amy tells them and just hurts Joe again while she's down without meaning to like Beth is like. Oh, and that just the way she says, oh, just the look on her face and the way she says it conveys so much. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you remember that, but I mean, it just stands out to me, the scene where it's just like you see that it's it's Beth and Joe against Amy right then. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, I mean, they're the two middle middle daughters. Yeah. So it makes sense. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We should probably wrap this up. Well, I mean, yeah, that's. uh... Well, that's pretty much the movie, though. I, I I would recommend it, though. I mean, you know, uh, problems with the second half aside, it's a very good film. And, uh, you know, if you're in the these winter months, if you're if you're looking to, you know, go to the movie theater and, and uh, you know, enjoy uh, some very good character uh, building and, uh, you know, a simple kind of uh, sisterly story. You know, this is uh, this is definitely a good one. So I, I would still recommend it. I still think uh, fine job. Um, the writing is is good. I think it could, like I said, like I pointed out, I think there are there are ways it could have been a little bit better. But the acting from uh, all the women involved and, and Christian Bale and Gabriel Byrne, uh, 
uh, really elevates uh, a pretty good script anyway. Oh yeah, but really, but really elevates uh, that to you know a higher plane. They're they're all excellent in the film. So, so I, yeah, I, I would recommend it. I honestly think that you know they've remade this at least. This is the second version now. Um, they should stop here though, because I think that this is. I think this is it. I mean, I don't think it can get better. Yeah, I think it would be very difficult. So, do you now? We got a couple letters uh, from fans. Did you want to read those? Oh, you know what? I oh. I didn't bring them with me. Oh, okay. Um, we're gonna have to do that next next episode. I'm okay. sorry, guys, but we did get a couple of letters from fans, and it it really means the world to us. And I will share them with you. Next okay, so episode. if you wrote into us, uh, we will read that out next time. Don't worry, we did get your letters. We did. So in uh, my locker, thank you so much, guys. We will uh, we will read that out next time, and then uh, if you want to write to us and, and have us read uh, some of your thoughts on next episode, if you want to join the people that that already wrote to us, you can uh, reach us at late fee nineteen ninety four at aol dot com. So you can write us a message there, and we will uh, we will reach out to you. All right, have a good day, everybody, and we we can't wait to hear from you. All right, bye. Bye.